Please be advised that today's show covers topics such as sexual violence and abuse within the sex industry. Today's episode will be covering part two of my chat with Genevieve Gilbert, a survivor of the sex industry and also the founder and CEO of Pink Cross Australia. If you haven't yet had a chance to listen to part one, I strongly suggest that you do so before listening to this episode. It'll give you a lot more context about Genevieve's life, what led her into the sex industry, and a lot of the harms that she experienced while she was there. I hope you enjoy today's chat. And as I said in the beginning, if anything in this chat brings up feelings of distress or trauma, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. I'm Jazz Rawlinson and this is Reasons to Live, your go-to podcast for inspiring stories of hope, triumph and inspiration from everyday people. Real voices, important issues, no holding back. Ready to join? It really isn't sex at the end of the day. Um, It is a fake empowerment where you sell the idea of um, glamour uh, and intimacy to needy men, so to, to addicted men, to men who are also broken and hurt and in need of some some healing or reassessing of their values in their life. So I did use what was available to me um, to do that. Some people may have gone into their specific field and just work really hard and be motivated for for change. But in, instead of that, in prostitution, is that we interna- internalize it in self-infliction of pain. And the dissociation is the result of that, is um, that in order not to feel the sex we don't want to have with strangers, we cut off our emotions and then we look somewhere else and think about other things while it all happens. Mm. The primary factor that leads women the entry into prostitution is poverty and it's also what keeps you in there whilst you are in prostitution you've seen um, a a material abundance that you've never had before probably Uh, and you 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 try to maintain this and that that keeps you in the in the sex industry it takes um, a lot of support from outside organizations specializing in debt recovery or in um, trauma recovery or um, just um, general um, discussions on, on what having a discussion with a counsellor or a, um, a friend who understands about your time and what you do in prostitution because you never talk about that. Most women won't talk about it. We talk about it within ourselves in the brothel or in sitting and waiting uh, at an escort agency uh, or on porn sets for those Australians who um, do porn and may be listening right now. So that what keeps you inside is the, to maintain what you've just discovered, and it's materialistic. So you you need to have this real humility to go without some of what you've you've had. To not you're not going to save to travel. You're not going to save to pay your your further studies you might be might be doing. You'll get into a little bit of debt, uh, but this is much better for your mental health. Mm. Did you find that you saved much money while you were in the industry or were you sort of just spending it constantly as you were making it? So some women, um, they may not have goals, but some that were starting about the same time I did, I was told if you don't 
money on drugs or um, too much brand new clothing and expensive um, you know, designer bags, then you know, buy yourself property. And that's what I did. And to this day, I still, I'm still in touch with some of these women that I was uh, in the brothel with. And they moved on to other brothels or in private um, you know, work, advertising themselves online. And they earn a couple of, you know, million dollar properties because that's all they do the whole week. Right. They just have sex with, with men and they earn a lot of money. And have many of those women been able to exit the industry and move into different careers or are most of them still still working in the brothels? Some didn't have any educational training and they um, are still doing doing this to this day so what keeps them in there is because there's men that are paying mm. but if they would have options they would be excited about undertaking studies to work but what they want is security because they may have never had it in the past in their childhood or maybe they've created this need that owning a property and having it paid off is a security but this will never be the true internal heart felt security it is material and material goods material wealth doesn't bring you know health mental health and physical health that's a really good point what you just made because i see a lot of comments online um from from people uh, women who are currently in the sex industry and and there was a special that abc did as part of their you can't ask that program i'm not sure if you saw that one they one of the episodes was sex workers and while it was interesting I found it really biased because one it didn't include anyone who had exited the industry and was a former sex worker um, and one of the things that someone said I think it may have been a young man who'd been homeless or, or perhaps it was someone else but they said money buys security and I thought well yes if you're facing homelessness I can really understand how that fast influx of money and and quite large influx of money as well could be seen as empowering I guess in the moment because you found a way to transcend the vulnerabilities that you're going through like homelessness but I thought that's to me I don't see how that's empowering or brings security in the long term because yes you're making a lot of money but it's coming at the expense of your health especially in terms of you know increased risk of STDs and I know that's something that you went through as well from your time in the industry you know it it doesn't it you're exposing yourself to so many other health risks and you're exposing yourself to increased mental health risks um and you would be aware the research shows that people in prostitution um most often women experience rates of PTSD at the same levels or higher than veterans who've returned from war and and so yeah I think it's it's really important that distinction that you made that's the issues well the Mm. women that are interviewed are current uh, porn stars and and prostituted women they call themselves sex workers and they're activists and they do mention that uh, they experience violence and um, they talk about how they react to um, abusive situations and you know, you need to take a self-defense course if you really want to uh, survive in this world because um, there's many stories where women actually get um, get raped outside the sex industry, outside the brothels. 
or within that booking and we don't report it, it is a violent place to be. Men mm. can do what they want. When they pay you, they want to do what they want. And it takes a really thick skin to say no. You don't want to overreact because your life can be in danger. And mm. this is the fear that everyone involved in uh, exchange of sex for money is the fear. Once I was asked, how was your experience the first time that you had um, sex for money? And, um, you know, you, you get over your fear. And there's this fear that you don't know that person. You don't know his past. Mm. Is he a criminal? Is he a, a serial killer? Uh, some are really nice men. But you never know. You never know the backstory. And so that's what's dangerous. Mm. It's not a um, supervised and it's not a, a regulated uh, workplace. It is uh, some brothels are uh, bugged. They record everything you say, not in the bedrooms, I suppose, uh, but in the public spaces so they can pick up if the man is, you know, is doing, saying wrong things or if the women are, um, have, you know, they, it's a, uh, it's big brother listening to you um, to just keep control over their women and the men that come in. What, what do you think some of the things are that they might, be listening for i don't know because i just was told that these things are happening and uh i i can't i can't say i can't Mm. comment on this and just to come back to what you were saying before about some of the types of violence you know that you can experience in the industry um in your chapter in prostitution narratives you talk a bit about some of the things that you experienced and you said um, you'd experience being gagged, choked, gang raped, pulled by the legs, lied to, filmed and photographed, sometimes with your consent but sometimes without your consent, and and also being drugged without your consent as well by men that had come to see you. And I think, you know, one thing that makes me really angry is when I look when I'm reading articles in mainstream news and you see it all the time on one of the biggest, I won't name it right now, but everyone would know, one of the biggest news networks in Australia, they are constantly putting out articles from women who are currently in the industry talking about how empowering it is and how it's really safe. And it was something that I saw on the ABC um, segment as well that we were just discussing women saying oh well I've got security guards there and nobody does anything to me that I don't like because I can just tell my security guard to you know get them out of there straight away um, but there are so many women like yourself who have have experienced brutal violence and including rape um, how does it make you feel when you see these articles that are basically trying to brainwash young women into believing that that it's completely safe and there there aren't any issues there gender equality is not only because men support men uh, in leadership roles and they are higher paid in um in those roles uh gender equality is also uh encouraged by um by women uh, who uh, do not understand that what, the reason why women enter prostitution is because they can't get other jobs and that's much money in other fields. They didn't have the chance to study, they didn't have the support, the family support. It is a holistic approach that we need to have for, uh, as, as Australians, we need to see gender equality as a, a problem. We see it with 
the um, number of women that are killed by the intimate partners mm. every uh, every week. And it's almost two, two women a week are killed in Australia. So when you have women who um, say that this is empowering, it is, it is just a lie. There's, they have some money. At some point, they feel some freedom. They make their own decisions. But it's not an investment. You'll never pay off. And some may do that for a while, and then they have their uh, law degree, and then they work full-time, and they never engage in prostitution again. They will keep this secret for a long time. They may be uh, in relationships that are stable. Uh, they'll keep the secret, but the trauma will stay inside of them. It is a very uh, damaging the moment of their life that they've, they went through. With the violence that you experienced at the time, do you think you realized how traumatic some of these things were, such, such as, you know, when you were saying you were being pushed or men were trying to penetrate you without a condom did were you just dissociating in those situations or did you understand how how traumatic they actually were I know I saw I I never was drinking or taking drugs while engaging in prostitution so I was fully aware what's going or what's going on um and it was a breach of my boundaries but it's every day that's what the men do. So I, I guess you, in a sense, became a bit used to it or a bit numb to it? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Just like when we used to tolerate sexual harassment in the workplace. <laughs> so it was just part of the culture. But now there's really strict laws about this. And so, you know, the trauma of prostitution is coming to light now. Mm. And this is a, it's a lie that women... Uh, you know, it, it attracts readers and people want to hear and they're curious about this underworld of uh, prostitution and women you know, becoming proud of talking about it. But the trauma is just emerging as a um, a, a, a massive problem in our society. Mm. It just it encourages uh, violence against women. It is a an injustice, such an oppression and injustice for mm. women that we allow legal sex work or we tolerate criminalized settings for prostitution that would tolerate uh, men who to secretly buy sex this should not be a right mm. sex has a purpose and can be for uh, possibly their entertainment but this world is going crazy with the advertisement of sexualized images and pornography everywhere online it is just it has exploded and caused massive problems and as Australians, you know, there will be a time where we'll realise what we've done to our women with legal prostitution. Mm. Every state in Australia is um, is just in 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 a, in a place of um, misunderstanding of the, the true um, reality of prostitution. War veterans, when they came back from war, they didn't have support at the time on the Second World War, and for many years they suffered. And now they are back. Like, there are exit programs, uh, sorry, and um, recovery programs mm. from the trauma that these veterans have experienced. And there's fabulous organizations that are supporting those veterans now. Yeah, that's such a good point to make because if we're providing this support for our veterans who experience PTSD, we, sh we need to be providing it for people in prostitution who experience PTSD as well. Um, exactly. Yeah, I, I can't agree with that more. And and one thing, you know, and another 
really insightful thing that you shared in, in your chapter in prostitution narratives was that there's this perception out there that particular pro-sex um, organisations, that they are there to give plenty of support and that if a woman doesn't want to work in the industry, they'll give you support for um, getting a different job or exiting. But in your case, you said there was nothing. There was uh, nothing that explained to me that what I was going through uh, to acknowledge my pain. The only document that we had in the legal brothels in Victoria is a, uh, a, a magazine that is supportive of the sex industry and gives advice on how to retain a client as a regular, how to protect yourself from STDs, which is fair enough. But what they, they miss there is the mental health of the women. And I sought counselling through, through them, but they're um, not registered uh, counsellors or at the time they weren't. Um, they're there to, you could go and have a chat with them, mm. but they were partial in their vision. Well, what, what are some of the things that you wished they had shared in these pamphlets when you were in the industry? Research that was done about the trauma of prostitution. Melissa Farley from San Francisco has a well uh, quoted um, research uh, on the topic. 85% of women want to leave the sex industry. Mm-hmm. What I wish that um, I was told at the time uh, was the really giving me options and strategies to survive this world. What I wish I was told when I uh, was in the sex industry and what this magazine from a well-meaning organisation wanting to be there for women in prostitution, supporting them, uh, what I wish that they would have agreed to share, and I wish for that in the future because every organisation representing sex workers um, or women in prostitution have good intentions. They want to um, to be there for the women and represent their voice. And, and I agree with that, but um, there's a problem when you represent the voice of a, of a woman at the same time uh, supporting uh, the purchasers that should not be purchasing sex because they're cheating on their wives. They don't develop healthy relationship with, with their their people, their age. Um, sex is all over the place. Anything goes. It's, we're at a place in our, our in our time in Australia and everywhere else where just anything goes, everything's possible. Mm. But we need to come back to the basics and um, you know having this frivolous uh, sex life with numerous partners will never bring you happiness and stability and and growth in your professional and personal life. I've experienced it. I've done it all. One night stands, picking up men in bars, um, having sex without commitment. What I wish they would have um, told me whilst I was in prostitution is the uh, damaging impact of of what I went through and possibly giving me more more healthy options. So that's what this pro-sex work um, does not give you is the... um, doesn't give the voice of women who suffer through that Mm. because they try to maintain this agenda that this is great for women but what is what they don't see is that uh in australia i'll speak about australia now but this women's um, place in society is just 
we're just second class citizens. We're treated as, um, it's not because we make money that we're first class citizens. No. Uh, if you earn a lot of money in prostitution, it doesn't mean that you're treated as a first class citizen. No, you're treated as second class because they coerce you to buy sex from you. So what would have been great and what, what would be great from those organizations and groups of women who fight for sex workers' rights? What would be amazing is for them to to list the problems that they've experienced and, and how they overcome, overcame them. Because it's not just glitz and glamour. In every job, and I'm not saying this is a job, but in every life situation where you group as a as a, a number of people who've experienced the same thing or are going through the same thing, there's numerous groups, Facebook is good for that. Um, we gather together to feel validated and valued. Those women who um, are, you know, for the sex industry, what would be great is to actually give advice on what, what's difficult in this and how to, to overcome it. For example, their mental health. Are they uh, using a lot of sleeping tablets? I mean, this is really common in the sex industry. We're so heightened during the day mm. by the uh, constant need to be not really ourselves and being on a, you know, selling mode, selling my body mode. Uh, well, it's in, that we meet. it's interesting that you say that because there was another story in prostitution narratives of a, a woman who explained that she was taking up to 80 milligrams of tamazepam, which is a, a sleeping pill, in order to wind down at the end of the day and stop thinking about yes. what had happened and stop having flashbacks. Yeah. Did you develop any addictions like that to sleeping tablets yes. or prescription oh, tablets? Yes. So- yeah, yeah, um, the sleeping tablets definitely is very common because we can't wind down. It's just so traumatic what we go through during the day. You're so heightened and uh, on your guard all, all day long that you have trouble falling asleep. It's a very stressful place to be physically and mentally. Up to 68% of, um, of women in prostitution meet the criteria for PTSD. And this is what um, we should, what I should have been reading. Uh, when I was reading this magazine available to us in the mm. brothels. Just mm. like what they do for uh, women who experience family violence. Uh, when they uh, succeed at leaving, uh, they've had a good understanding of the behavior of the partner that wasn't uh, that was abusive, and they can name it. And so in prostitution, we need to um, address, assess our feelings, uh, assess the trauma, the pain that we go through and I wish that that would be in the magazines. Mm. I can imagine how hard it must have been to leave. So, you know, to fast forward a bit, how did you eventually leave the industry for good after seven years? Yeah, I was just wondering, why did I get into this? What is prostitution really? That is my main question. This is the main question I ask myself. Why did I get into this and why is it such a secret world? Maybe I should read about it. There must be something about that. And I'm I just Googled um, prostitution, like not Google, but, you know, searched mm. at the database there. And um, there was a couple of different books about it, but the one that seemed to be the most interesting was one from Sheila Jeffries, and it's called The Idea of Prostitution. And she um, undertakes the real analysis of the industry uh, from its history to the impact it has on women and the community in general. So what really struck me was that, yeah, Sheila Jeffries has just uh, really opened my eyes to 
um, the the reality of what prostitution is giving uh, its impact on, um, on on us as women, mm. how um, threatening it is to um, to us having gender equality in, in Australia. Um, I, it really set the, set the tone to what would be my vision about uh, prostitution. But I can I can imagine it's one thing to you know, say, read her book and, and come to understand that really dark and damaging side of the sex industry. Um, but it would be another thing entirely to then actually step forward and decide that you were going to leave for good. So what what do you think changed in your mindset that, that actually made it stick this time as opposed to all the other times that you tried to leave? Well, I read the book when I had exited, um, but the first person that um, I read about that, um, I heard about that was, um, that really helped me think that I could also um, be a voice to those who were in prostitution. So it was a, a woman from California called um, Shelley Lubin. And she was, she was um, an outspoken advocate for women in porn. And she was a prostituted women and um, porn um, porn star and she was um, on YouTube speaking about um, her time in prostitution and how there's hope for women to live a healthy life and that really gave me the hope that I needed to make the true steps forward and I knew that I could I had become a um, follower of the Christian faith uh, whilst I was in prostitution, so I grew really in my spiritual uh, knowledge to heal my own body and my my soul, and so that was a um, a very personal journey. Then um, I found out that there was a also a Christian woman that would talk about her past, and it's the first person ever that I heard speaking about uh, her time in prostitution and pornography. And it takes a lot of guts and courage. Mm, I imagine. It needs to be really brave to do that. And she's the only one that um, I've heard of ever um, who was so public about her story. And especially as a Christian as well, that would be so difficult to to speak out about because I, I imagine like there's already so much um, you know, stigma and and difficulty in sharing that you have worked in the industry, but I can't imagine what that would be like as a Christian as well. That must have been really inspiring. Yeah, it was very inspiring to me, and I thought there needs to be something done in Australia. She was supporting women in California with her organisation called Pick and Cross Foundation. So when I read, uh, I saw her speaking on, on a clip in... Um, she was speaking at a church in Michigan, it's near where I come from in Canada. Yeah, she just really impacted on me, and I started she started supporting me, um, sending gift packs every year, every Christmas. And the following year, uh, when I had exited, I found out the Sheila Jeffries uh, publication, and the way I exited was. Um, through trying to plan it as best as I could. There was no support here. I hadn't heard of really good organisations that I currently um, consult with and interact with with my own organisation. I hadn't heard of them um, while I was in prostitution. And it's only 
after exiting that I sold their services. But the, the, the trick to, to get out of this wicked world, is this underworld, is to get your life straight. And that is really difficult. When you used to um, dress up and then feel that you have value because of the way you dress and have men choosing you because of the way you, you look, then when mm. you go back to the mainstream world or the, you know, in a normal possible job that you could get, then you just really lower your uh, glamour uh, factor in a way. So when you go back, you're trying to leave, you have to go back to the basics. It's just go back to simplicity. And that was, that is what is difficult. And what were some of the things or some of the organizations that you went to to help you to get into a position where you could find alternative uh-huh. you know, employment. Yeah. Um, so I am sort of support of an organization specializing in uh, supporting women who come out of prison and also um, have a disability. So with my work currently with Pink Cross Foundation Australia, we support women that have numerous mental health issues. And I believe that I may not have been immune to some of them. Anxiety was my, my, my main one. I think that was... Um, I could have had this disability, but they still supported me. I wasn't diagnosed with anything, um, and they still supported me uh, because they, I think they saw the pain that prostitution brought into my life. And so I found this job running mu- acting, music, and drama uh, sessions for um, kindergarten children, and I had this desire to have children, so I was really, um, really happy to be around little little. Um, little, little kids yeah and so that's how yeah yeah so that's how I um I, I exited prostitution I found this this job and um it was exciting um kept me fit I was jumping around for um 40 minutes uh, a couple of times a day visiting childcare centers yeah and, great that would yeah, have been yeah. so it would have been so different after you know the life that you'd had to be surrounded by really positive cute and happy little kids must have been felt like a whole different world i mean one thing in prostitution that you dress up and you put on makeup and um so um there was part of that you know the actor in me that just came out uh this straining aspect of the work which is you know physically difficult um it is actually physically uh draining because of the amount of um you know, body parts that you get on your body and inside. So that that is not transferable to any other job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes, but, understandable. Uh, dressing up um, and, and being so doing dancing and acting uh, for the children and singing music. Um, that was something that needed continuity of. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, you learn some skills in prostitution. I would say unfortunately, but you have you may have a. Um, you're forced to do it because of your life circumstances, poverty. But then I used those skills as well um, later where I was interacting with uh, groups of people mm. and I, I enjoyed it. I still do it today. You develop some skills, some may serve you. Every life experience in a way serves you somehow. So yeah. you, you had yeah. this amazing new job and you started to get your life together. How did you get to the point where you became you know the ceo and the founder of pink cross australia so 
initially I started by um, asking a couple of my friends if they uh, were uh, able to come with me uh, to outreach to people at Sexpo. So it's Melbourne Sexpo. And um, in Australia, if you've got international listeners, it's an adult convention where uh, everything sex and uh, prostitution is uh, blatantly placarded everywhere in your, um, you know, in a, a, a large exhibition center. And um, we went there, um, just a couple of us, I had a small table at a, um, a bookshop that um, accepted to collaborate with me. And um, from there, I um, actually yeah, started to meet people and um, I started to tell my story one-on-one. One on one. Uh, so that was the first time I had obtained, I had done a lot of counseling to heal from the trauma to just share my heavy story. And um, when I went to sex for Melbourne Sexpo with my, my friends, I had prepared gift packs with a bit of information about uh, recovering from uh, porn addiction or sex addiction and also the, um, some information about the reality of prostitution. And um, so I just started walking. We had we printed some T-shirts with our you know, Pink Cross name and just started talking to people. And it was really cathartic for me. Um, the people that joined me, they had a heart to be light in this dark world. So light means hope, means to be... Um, to bring a, a different perspective, a different opinion on uh, what uh, this world um, shows people and brings people, which is immediate pleasure, uh, superficial fun, uh, unsustainable um, <laughs> uh, money, really. Mm. It brings money, but it's... it's fast yeah, it's, fast it's pleasure, you know, little responsibility, fast all those. Sex, fast mm. fun. And so... For someone who maybe hasn't heard of Pink Cross before, who are Pink Cross and what is your what is your mission? We want to see a world free of commercial sexual exploitation. So we see prostitution as exploitation, exploitation of the vulnerable, the women, and then we need the men in this uh, space to be aware of their actions and what it means. When they see a woman in pornography, they might uh, look, she might look, glamorous and attractive she might look like she wants to be there but she doesn't she's there for the money most of the time and so our mission is to see a world free of commercial sexual exploitation to do to achieve this um, we need to uh, have a concerted approach about um, prostitution and the purchase of sex and so i really see it as a cultural change where um my main uh ethos is to bring um bring hope to men and women and so i i don't see the support of women to be the only thing that i should be doing because in order to heal the women we need the men to stop buying sex and so my values are to bring uh justice to those who are abused and education as well for those who may purchase sex and so everyone in the community and it's not, we're not just supporting the women i've been through uh, and might be anecdotal evidence 
but my voice is is a clear one about the trauma that I've experienced. And I never thought I would talk about it publicly. It takes years to be comfortable about your story. And uh, after mm. speaking, and I think it's so inspiring time. that you are sharing your story because I can't imagine going through through the, the traumas that you've gone through and then not only just opening up to that about you know opening up to friends but also opening up your whole life to the world basically for them to comment and scrutinize and you know um comment however they like so i think it's really amazing how you're using your life experience to help so many so many other people and i also think it's really great that you acknowledge the impact like the the awful negative impact that the sex industry and, and pornography and and porn addictions have on men as well um, because it is a very a very real and a very valid issue that they go through you know when these guys come to you what are some of the things that they say to you and and some of the ways that these addictions are negatively impacting their lives well there's this isolation issue that um, is often a problem uh, where they just spend too much time in front of their computer. So it's to break the cycle of I feel comfortable in front of my screen. I don't like interacting with people uh, in live, real-life situations. So um, we don't have um, accredited social workers or counsellors on our team yet, and uh, I have yet to become one myself. But what we do is we, we give gave, give them referrals to other online groups and organizations that can give them um, tips on how to uh, address this problem in their lives. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we want to develop um, programs to support people. And uh, we're open to questions. So we've got um, a volunteer at the moment who's a uh, professional social worker, but in this uh, in his spare time, he likes to volunteer with us and bring uh, a bit of hope to those who are trapped watching too much pornography or having unhealthy uh, sexual habits. And um, he's online on our Facebook page every week. Um, we've running this pilot program for uh, a number of uh, months. Wow. That's so wonderful that he's so passionate about giving his time to other men because I think it's really great for men to hear from other men, you know, to talk about these issues. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really amazing and it's really fascinating to me to hear of everything you've done and, and to watch your journey you know, over the last couple of years, um, even just since, since meeting you in, oh, I think it was maybe 2013 when we first started talking. Um I mean, you've been through so much in your life and when you look back at everything that you've done and, and everything that you're doing at the moment, um, what would you say uh, maybe a couple of the things that you're most proud of out of everything that, that you've accomplished? I'm proud of how I am addressing my past trauma and how I have come to understand it well and talk about it to support and bring hope to those who come to us. The other things that I suppose I have developed that I'm proud of in a way, um, I've always been someone who loved reading and writing and 
that was in French. So I'm fluent. I'm a fluent French speaker. I wrote my uh, masters in French. So when I came to Australia, the reason why I stayed in the sex industry was that in my field in uh, media, arts, media, and communication was um, required for me to write at a really high level, which wasn't really what I was able to. And that, when you're <clears throat> new to a country, don't speak the first language of the country. That that can keep you in prostitution if you mm. fell into it. <clears throat> so. <clears throat> I think what I, I really feel grateful for is being able to write uh, in a way that can be making an impact. Mm. Uh, and, and I changing. think that's something that you should feel really proud of because uh, I, I can't imagine what it's like to um, have to come to a new country and learn a new language um, and, and, you know, all of the unique things that go with with our Australian language and our weird, you know, sayings and abbreviations. <laughs> So I think you've done an amazing job. Um, You know, you've been through so much in your life and so many dark times where I imagine you probably felt like there was no reason to keep going. Um, But now looking back on everything you've gone through and and with everything you're doing with Pink Cross, what do you feel is the reason that you've been put on this earth? My reason to live is uh, to... um enact change for those who don't see that there is a need for change. Many people in prostitution don't want help, and that's fine. But we're developing a programs to educate and um, empower people on knowing that there's abuse going on in this world, that watching porn is unhealthy. So building healthy relationships. And my reason to live is to live in a healthy life myself and um, and trying to be an influencer in that way for others, those who work with us and those uh, who volunteer or staff and those who seek our services. So Mm. we need the help of everyone in Australia uh, in leadership, in management to to make this country a healthier place to be. I think it's so amazing what Pink Cross is doing and there's so many more things that I'm sure we could chat about today, but... For anyone who wants to know more about Pink Cross, I yeah, I would encourage them to get onto your website or get onto your Facebook and get in touch so that maybe they can find out more about the ways that you are supporting uh, women around Victoria and the ways that you're su- supporting men um, who, are, who are struggling with pornography addictions. So, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for sharing so much of your life with me today and and so many very, very private things. I think it's very brave of you, and I think you're an extremely inspirational woman. And so thank you again so much for joining me, and um, all the best for the new year, Jen. Thank you so much, Jazz, for having me. You're um, so supportive, and um, I, I, I can't be thankful enough for the time that you spend um, interviewing me. And so thank you for being so professional. Well, there you have it. That was part two of my interview with Genevieve Gilbert, CEO and founder of Pink Cross Australia. Regardless of your personal opinions on the sex industry, I hope that this interview has been insightful and that maybe it's helped to broaden your understanding of some of the things that people within the sex industry go through, as well as the difficulties faced by many when they try to leave. As always, if there's someone amazing that you think I should be chatting to, please let me know. I want to know who they are jump on my Facebook page, Reasons to Live, One More Day Every Day, send me a message and let me know who you think I should be chatting to next. 
Until next time guys, stay safe, be kind to yourselves, and we'll chat soon.